church, welcome. Come on, let's stand. We're going to get ready to worship. We're going to lift our voices. Oh, God, we're asking right now that you just come and move. Come and awake our souls right now, God.
Thank you. 
testimony that I've been waiting to share with you guys for a long time, uh, quite a while anyways. Uh, Daniela was, here, I'll let you tell. She was in a car accident, and then go ahead. God bless you. Well, it's my first time, so. Um, I give glory to God because he's awesome. How God is Amen. powerful. Ready so, or not, he's on the move. Yes. So we went to a wedding in Texas, and um, I got to a car accident, and I fractured my nose. I had a broken nose, and everything was just so painful. So they took me to an emer um, emergency room. When I went there, they did a CAT scan. And they were not even worried about my face. They were telling me, go see a, um, a neurosurgeon because you have a meningioma. And I'm like, what is that? So then um, we came back. I was having so much pain. I went to um, emergency room in Clifton Park. And they did another CT scan. And he told me, you have to go see a neurosurgeon because you have a meningioma. And it's like, um, you, they have to do surgery. You have to get ready. I'm like, they, oh, Which God. is a brain tumor. Yeah, it's a, a brain, brain tumor. tumor. Yeah. So they're telling her that she has a brain tumor. Yes. So, and I know I have faith. Faith can move mountains. I don't know what you believe and how you want to see it, but God is powerful and he's able. So my faith, I came, I was like, you know, I'm really shy. So I went to sister, but I'm like, sister, you know, um, I have to go. So they advised me to have um, an MRI to see where is it or how they gonna do everything. So I'm like, no God, that's not what you told me. And I remember it, there's where, somewhere in the Bible, they were saying, when you are in the womb of your mother, God has a plan. That's and right. I'm like, that's not the plan you had for me. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> so I came, you know, shyly, I was shaking. I'm like, sister, but I'm having a problem. So, and I explained to her, she said, you know what? I'm like, can you please pray for me? She said, yes, I will pray with you. And I, one thing I remember, she was, the one thing, she said, you know, God, we want this state, you know, before the accident, she was fine. When she was born, there was no meningioma. So that's what we're asking, and that's what we want. And I'm like, I receive it in Jesus' name. So, and then I went back. I had the um, MRI done. So wh when they look at the CT scan, the doctor was like, wait, I don't understand. I'm like, what's going on? And he was, there was no meningioma. I'm like, I know. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I know. She was like, you know. I'm like, yeah, I've been praying. So, yes, and then I had a neurosurgeon look at it. He was like, no, there is no meningioma. You are all set. You don't need to do nothing. There's not no evidence of nothing. Your head is clear. So Healing in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. All right, here's what we're going to do. I want anyone who needs healing in your body right now to raise your hand. You need healing in your body in, in any kind of a way. Raise your hand. All right, if you're in the room and you do not have your hand raised, go and lay your hands on one of these people with their hand raised. And Josh Thatcher... I want you to go and pray for Pedro because I know he's having back pain right now. Uh, just lay your hands on one of these people that have their hand raised. So if you, one of two things, you either have your hand in the air or you have your hand on somebody with their hand in the air. And that's all that I want to see right now. 
either your hand is in the air or your hand is on somebody whose hand is in the air. And we're going to pray and we're going to release faith because faith was just released through testimony. And so we're going to pray and we're going to add our faith to that faith. And we're going to see miracles all across this room this morning. So go ahead. Go ahead and pray. God, we thank you. We thank you because you are awesome. You thank you. We thank you. Because you are a good father, we thank you for life. We thank you, God, for everything you do, you did for us and you are doing for us right now. God, your word said where two or three are together, we are, you are in the middle of us. God, this morning, we lift our faith together. As you did it for me, God, we ask you for healing. Only you can do it, God. We ask you to yes. touch everyone with any kind of sickness in their body, God, because you only have the power. Only you can do it, Jesus. Yes. Yes. Father, in Jesus' name right Amen. now. Father, we thank you, and God, I pray for healing in bodies all across this room, God. Father, every sickness, every uh, every disease, every injury, Lord, I pray healing. We proclaim healing right now in Jesus' name over every situation, over every individual, over everything, Lord. God, you are king of the earth. All authority in heaven and on earth is in Jesus, and Father, right now, we proclaim the authority of Jesus Christ in our life, and we declare healing in these bodies in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Father, just a drop in the bucket. That's all we ask, oh God. Father, we don't need to feel an ocean. We don't need to jump in a river. Father, one drop of your presence, Lord God. Father, one drop of your grace, one drop of your love, one drop of your healing. Father, we will see cancers healed, Lord God. Father, we will see emotions healed, Lord Jesus. Come on. Father, we will see every sickness, every diabolical, the thing the enemy wants to throw, Lord God. Father, that drop will cover us, oh God. Father, it will not, nothing, no sickness, nothing will enter our lives, Lord. Father, we have a job and we can't do it sick, Lord Jesus. We can't, Lord God. Father, we're going to save the nations from the place where we stand and we need strength and we need power and we need healing. Lord Jesus, Father, do it, Lord God. Father, as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth, Lord Jesus. It's got to start somewhere, Father. Let it start with us. Testimony after testimony after testimony, Lord God. Father, Lord, we're not being bold to say, let us raise people from the dead. Lord Jesus, let us lay hands on people and see them revived. Dry bones dancing, Lord Jesus. Father, voices that were silent will sing your praise, Lord God. Father, do it in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you want this more than we do, Lord Jesus. You want healing. Father, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out, Lord Jesus. Pour it out, Lord God. Pour it out, pour it out, Lord Jesus. Oh, God. Come on, let's just God. rest here for a moment. Let's just rest here for a moment. Mm -hmm. God's still moving. Yeah. God's still doing. Even in the quiet. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.
continue to touch. Bring healing. Every level. Physical, emotional, spiritual. stop absorbing the Holy Spirit. He's here and he's not going anywhere. And he's here to heal. He's here to restore. He's here to make right. And so as long as you're here, suck in all that he has. Be a sponge right now. Get all that you can. Get all that you can. When gas is $5 a gallon, after you let go of that handle and you've got that nozzle in your hand and there's still a few drops coming out, you hold it over the spigot of your car to get every last drop of gas into your tank. We're dealing with something much more precious than $5 a gallon gas. Way more precious than $5 a gallon gas. Way more precious than $30 a gallon gas. Way more precious. This is the Holy Spirit. This is God who sets all things right. All things right. So drink in the Holy Spirit. And as we move on, as we do the next thing that we're going to do today, continue to absorb the Holy Spirit. Just keep that nozzle right above your filler spot and just let it keep pouring in. Whatever we do next, announcements come, video announcements, the kids get dismissed, I might say something. You just keep that filler spout right over your, right over your, keep it right there. Don't move, don't move, don't move, and just keep drinking it in. That's all we're here to do today. That's all we're here to do today. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord some glory. Let's give the Lord a shout. He is alive and well, and he does amazing things. This is just one, I actually counted recently, this is just one of 42 healings that we've seen here at Redeeming Love since October of 2019. 42, come on. Somebody should get more excited about it than that. 
And we're talking about awesome things, pacemakers being removed from bodies, backs being healed, tumors are now gone, I just, kidneys completely healed and restored, so God is on the move, he's doing amazing things, we celebrate all that he does, amen? Amen. 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 All right, well, welcome. What a day to be here, right, in God's presence. If you are home watching us online, God's presence is there, too. So do what Pastor said. Drink it in at home. Sit there. Listen to the message, but be open to what God wants to do. Because whether you're here or there, God is moving. Amen? Amen. So we are a church that believes in engaging God, engaging church, and engaging culture. So um, one of the ways we do that is with the Engage card. I know that we must have run out because my dear sweet husband came and stole the one I'm supposed to hold up. So if you didn't get one, please communicate with us one way or another. Find a scrap of paper, um, you know, write whatever you can on there, your email, your name, your phone number, a praise report, you know, whatever. Or go on to relieving, redeeminglovechurch.org and send us an email. Let us know your prayer requests. Let us know your praise report. Let us know who you are, whether you're a first-time visitor or you've been here for a while. This is how we engage with you. It's how we stay in touch with you. Okay, um, and again, you can fill out that um, Engage card online also, all right? Next Sunday is Easter already, right? Woo! We get to celebrate the risen Lord. Plan on inviting someone. Listen, I'll give up my seat. We'll give up our seats so that a visitor, right, we'll stand. It doesn't matter. Bring somebody and invite lots of people, lots of people, because you know what? You'll invite and you'll invite and you'll invite, and maybe only one will come, but the other ones are still seeds planted. So keep inviting, keep inviting, keep inviting. Remember to share it on Facebook. Um, I showed you last week how to do that, but please make sure you're going in, especially this week. People like personal invites, okay? So if you want to take your friend list and just send it to your friends or you want to put it on your feed or whatever it's called, but, you know, still follow up. If there's somebody who's really on your heart, follow up. Follow up with a phone call or a, what is it called, a messenger or a text or something, right? Follow up because that just might be the person who's going to show up and they're going to have a new relationship with Jesus and we can all celebrate, okay? So today is Communion Sunday. So if you're home, take this time to go get a little juice, um, a cracker, a piece of bread, whatever you have at home so you can celebrate communion with us. But y'all know what that means, right? What's this Wednesday? Holy Spirit Encounter Night. Look, after what just happened, do you really want to miss Wednesday night? Come on, come on. I'd be willing to just, you know, say right here, we're going to see great things. Because you know what? Every Holy Spirit Encounter Night, we see great things. We see healings. We, we hear about testimonies. So come on out, all right? Weather's getting nicer. You cannot use that as an excuse anymore, all right? If you get rained on, you know, rain is a sign of blessing. So stand out there, soak in the blessing of God. You will dry off and God will do something special. I am sure of it, all right? So um, there is some information about Compass Care in the, point, in the corner. And we want to um, just explain a little bit about that. Compass Care has decided, simply because of some of the aggression toward them, that it is better to 
um, not have the larger regional walks. Instead, God is opening the door for us to have smaller in-person walks in our community, all right? Um, it really allows us to have a greater impact across the state because I live in Troy, you live in Clifton Park, you live in Averill Park, you live in Loudonville. We all live in different communities. And it gives us the opportunity to um, bring Compass Care's message to our community. So plan on walking, gather up the people who live in your surrounding area, and plan on walking. But you know, this is really, the enemy is trying to do something terrible there, right? But we have a God who takes what the enemy means for evil, and he turns it for good, right? There, there is nothing you, no situation you can tell me about where I can't say to you, you know what? God's going to turn it around. God's going to make it good, right? So this is an opportunity for us to participate and um, see what God's going to do. You know, see what God's going to do. All right? All right. We are going to pray for the kids now. If you have a, a kid next to you, please reach out your hand. Lord Jesus. These are the future church. Father, bless them, open their hearts, open their minds, bless the teachers. Father, let your Holy Spirit fall on the other side of that door in a way that we've not seen before. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, Pastor Matt's going to come up and share the next um, installment. What do you call that? The, ne the next message, <laughs> okay, <laughs> after the video announcements. Amen. There we go. We're hot. We're live. Come on, let us go. Amen, amen, amen. Whoo! Wow, 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 wow. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God is so good. He's so good. He's so good. God is on the move. He's doing great things. And we simply seek to partner with him. Easter is coming. It's next week. Uh, we're, we're seven days away. So yeah, like Elizabeth said, invite every dude and his brother. Every dude and his brother or sister. Invite them all. Uh, it's, it, it's said that it takes seven invitations to get someone to church. So invite them. And th that might be the seventh invitation and they might come. Or it might be the first and you got six more to go. So what's the secret here? The secret sauce is invite them and invite them and invite them and invite them and just keep inviting them till they come. Easter, Christmas, baptisms when we have them. Uh, these are certain specific times throughout the year where people feel a specific religious obligation to have to go to church. Take advantage of it. <laughs> It doesn't matter why we get, it doesn't matter how you get them in the door just get them in the door. Paul says in first in Philippians 1 he says some preach the gospel for good means and some preach it for bad means. He's like and I don't even care. 
It doesn't even matter to me. Just let, as long as the gospel's preached, I mean, what are you saying? They're, they're, they're preaching it for the wrong reasons. They're preaching it from the wrong heart. And Paul's like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you getting them here through religious context. We'll fix that after the fact. We serve food at church sometimes because I'm okay getting them here with the sin of gluttony. We can deliver them from that. <laughs> Just get them here. Until we get them here, God can do, once we get them here, God will do everything. God will do anything. Amen? Amen. Man, Holy Spirit Encounter Night this week is going to be off the hook, so make sure you're here. Uh, if you know anybody that's sick or weak or infirmed or injured or anything that needs healing, get them here this Wednesday night, and God's going to do amazing things. Um, I've, I've, I've had visions of what the Lord's going to do, not necessarily this specific Wednesday, but on one of these nights, and I'm telling you what, I just don't ever want to not be in the house. I don't ever want to miss uh, a, a, a Sunday, but especially a Holy Spirit encounter night, because uh, something's next level there. Amen? Amen? So this is our Easter message. Uh, I'm not going to do the Easter message today, but I just got the slide up there because it's fantastic, and it's worth showing more than just one Sunday. Uh, the joy of the cross is the Easter message, and so we're going to be talking about joy and how it was that Jesus found joy in the cross. Hebrews 2 says that who... The, for the joy that was set before him, speaking of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to look at, a uh, little uh, insight into next week's message. Today I want to talk about extreme devotion. So many times when we have Palm Sunday, uh, today is Palm Sunday, and so many of us, 40-day fast concludes today. Uh, we had 76 people in the body of redeeming love here on the 40-day fast with us. That's extraordinary, guys. That's extraordinary. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Awesome, 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 awesome job. 76 people fasting and praying for 40 days. Uh, we are surely seeing the signs of uh, this extreme devotion that you've just displayed. Today, I want to talk about extreme devotion. I want to look at a few examples of extreme devotion from the Word as we get ready for Easter and as we prepare for this moment of time uh, in, in the church where, you know, we're so reflective upon what Jesus did on the cross. John 12, uh, verses 1, I think we're going to read through verse 9. It says, six days before the Passover. And so this is right around that same time as Palm Sunday. And so it's a week. I'm, I'm going to pause right here. We'll go back to reading scripture. I'm going to pause right here. It's a week leading up to the cross. Jesus knew why he came to the earth. He knew that the cross was at the end of his story. How many of us have been watching The Chosen? We've been watching The Chosen. We know how this story ends, and it's not pleasant. How many of us know how the story ends? It ends with a cross. It ends with Jesus hanging on the cross. Jesus knew this before he ever set foot on the planet. He knew what was intended of God. It says, before the foundations of the earth, Christ was crucified. It means before God ever formed the planet and created humanity, he had a solution to the problem that would occur, that is sin. This is who our God is. He creates solutions before problems exist. And so Jesus knew before the foundations of the earth that this day was at the end of his life, and now it's just six days away. He knows the day. He knows the hour. No man shall know the day or the hour. Jesus knew the day and the hour. 
There's a little different context there. I'm bumping some things around. So those theologians out there, don't get mad at me for what I just said. I'm just, I'm bumping. It's good. Six days before the Passover. If you had six days left on earth, where would you want to be? If you had six days left on earth, who would you want to hang around? If you had six days left on earth, what would you want to do? This is what Jesus is at. He knows it's coming. He's been telling his disciples now for a while. <laughs> they haven't gotten it, but he tells them anyways. I have to leave. I have to go. I will be turned over to the hands of wicked men, and they will do with me whatever they want. He knows what's coming. Six days. Where do we find them? Six days before the Passover. Jesus had to die on Passover. You know what? Uh, they say that Jesus was probably not born on Christmas. Spoiler, sorry. December 25th is probably not his birth date. You know when I think he was born? They, they say, you know, possibly like September, October. Geez, you know what uh, happens in September or October? It's a Jewish feast. It's a Jewish feast where they actually announce the arrival of the Messiah. Who's Jesus? The Messiah. It's called the Feast of Trumpets. My, my guess, I mean, this is just a guess, but if Jesus died as the Passover lamb on Passover, I think that the Messiah would have been born when the trumpets announced the arrival of Messiah. I, it's just a random guess. It, I, just, just a guess. But my guess is that Jesus was born on the Feast of Trumpets. Why not? Will he come back on the Feast of Trumpets? Sure. Absolutely. He could do that. Maybe, maybe not. No man will know the day or the hour. There's the right context. Happy? <laughs> you guys are great. I love it. You get all my jokes. All right. Back to Scripture. Then six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Where did Jesus want to be? He wanted to be in Bethany. Why did he want to be in Bethany? Where Jesus, who had been raised from the dead, I'm sorry, where Lazarus, thank you, where Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead, whom he raised from the dead, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, sorry, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him, with Jesus, and then Mary, and so why did Jesus want to be in Bethany? There's nothing special about the zip code. They didn't have zip codes back then. That's fine. It wasn't anything special about the dirt there. It wasn't anything special about the house. They didn't have the best marble palaces. That's not why he was there. He wasn't there for the food. They, they made a meal. It says they made a meal. He wasn't there for the food. I'm only here for the food. He wasn't there for the food. He was there because his friends were there. Jesus had special relationships with several people. He had special relationships with his disciples. They went everywhere that he went for three and a half years. But he was their teacher and they were his students. And so there was a certain relationship there. And then there were three, Peter, James, and John, 
who were above the 12. And, and he took them into certain special situations and said, listen, I've got something extra. I need to teach you three. But then he had this group of friends. He had this group of friends that stuck out, that stand out to us in the word. Lazarus and Martha and Mary. As a matter of fact, when Lazarus is sick, he gets word, Martha and Mary send word, and when they send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick, they don't even use his name. They simply say, he who you love is sick. <laughs> well, Jesus loves everybody. But I think they, he got it. He knew who, who they were talking about. The message came from Martha and Mary, and so they knew that Jesus knew that he was, they were talking about Lazarus, and so Lazarus waits. Why did Martha and Mary use that terminology, he whom you love is sick? Because it was the most important thing that they could say about their brother. It was more important than his name. Who am I? I'm loved by God. Who am I? I'm the one that Jesus loves. Who am I? I am the beloved of Christ. I, I don't even care to tell you my name. It doesn't even matter who I am. You don't need to know who I am. The most important thing that I can tell you about me is that Jesus loves me. This, this, is, this is the definition of my existence. Jesus loves me. The uncreated God of the universe loves me. We talked about this in identity. This should be our identity. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, spikenard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. And so your study Bible at the footnotes at the bottom will tell you that this oil, very costly oil of spikenard, cost approximately about a year's worth of wages. And so you guys all know what you make in a year. Spent that much on one afternoon with Jesus. Spent that much on one afternoon with Jesus. Spent that much just to pour oil on Jesus' feet. Just to anoint him. Just to have an, a, a moment of extravagant devotion. You know, Jesus made no secret to his disciples that he needed to die and that he would be leaving soon. And so my guess is that he shared that information with Lazarus and with Mary and with Martha as well. My guess is that they knew too. Scripture doesn't tell us that they did, but I would bet that they did. And so Mary takes this oil. This is a life savings, guys. This is a year's worth of wages saved in oil. And she pours it out on the feet of Jesus, this extreme extravagant devotion to Jesus. Jesus will go on to say, and we're going to read the scripture that she did this for the day of my burial. And so she did this for Jesus. Who did she do it for? Jesus. Did she do it for herself? No. Did she get anything out of it? Yes. She got some ridicule out of it. She got some people that got really upset with what she did. She got some people that were really unhappy with her extravagant devotion. Who did she do it for? She didn't do it for her. She did it for Jesus. But you want to know a secret? Mary walked out of that room smelling just like him. 
When you put perfume on, and we put light perfume on here at the church for sake of those around us so that we don't drown people in all the different perfume smells. So thank you for that. But when you put perfume on and you put it on your skin, it can be absorbed in. If you put it on your clothing, it'll stain your clothing. But if you put it on your hair, it'll remain on your hair and it'll continue to smell for a very long time. So if you're putting on perfume or cologne and you want it to last and, and linger for a long time, put it on the hair. Put it on the hair. And, and it's going to last for a long time. And so we read that Mary anoints the feet of Jesus with this oil, with this perfume, and then she rubs it in with her hair. And so Jesus leaves the room smelling of this perfume. A pound. A pound, does it say? A pound. My, my perfume, <laughs> I get this cologne, it comes in this little tiny bottle. It's very expensive. There's, it's not a pound. A pound, guys, think about a pound of flour, a pound of sugar. There's a lot of fragrance here. There's a lot of oil. She pours it all over Jesus' feet, and then she wipes it with her hair. And so who did she do it for? She did it for Jesus. She did it for him. But then when she wiped it with her hair, because she wanted to spread it out all over his feet and really rub it in and work it in, it got into her hair. And you know, you can't get that out. She probably washed her hair three, four times, and she's probably still smell like that. And so when we have this extravagant devotion to Jesus, we'll come away smelling just like he does. And it's beautiful. And there will be people who will say things and won't understand, verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold? for 300 denarii and given to the poor. This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. And so Judas complains because there was this extreme devotion. There is this extravagant devotion that Judas can't just can't wrap his mind around. Why did she do this? Why did she do this? This doesn't make any sense to me. Why would she do this? And why didn't anybody stop her? <laughs> we could have sold this and we could have given the money to the poor. Obviously, I'm not going to restate the entire thing. When we have extreme devotion to Jesus, people may not understand exactly why. Exactly why we're so devoted. Exactly why we're so in love. But when you see God remove a tumor from your body, or when you see God regrow an eye in the socket, or when you see God heal your back, stop your pain, something that medical science is still unable to do today, it's all worth it. Listen, it's only, you've all, this is only just the beginning. You haven't seen anything yet. I'll become even more undignified than this, and my extravagant devotion has only just begun. only just begun. Jesus pipes up. Judas is making a ruckus. And Jesus pipes up and says, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Here he goes again with the dying bit. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but me you do not always have. He's telling it to everyone in the room. 
I am not long for this planet. I'm on my way out. I'm about to die. And she's anointing me for my death. She's anointing me because I'm about to die. Matter of fact, you're not going to have me with you always. I love the scripture from Matthew chapter 9 where they come and they question Jesus about fasting and why do your disciples not fast? And Jesus turns around and says, how can the friends of the bridegroom mourn? Fasting is a form of mourning. How can the friends of the bridegroom mourn while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will be taken when the bridegroom is taken away. It's six days away at this point. The days are coming. The days are short and the bridegroom will be taken away. And then in those days, then they will fast. And this is the fast that we've been on for the past 40 days. As a matter of fact, that's today's prayer topic, uh, in case you haven't read it yet. But it's, it's this longing to just be with Jesus. If you've ever been in his presence, if you've ever been in his nearness, if, if the presence of Jesus has ever come and it's touched your life, you will never be the same. You will be set on a course that all you have, all you want is him. All, the only thing that will ever satisfy is him. Nothing else satisfies. Right. Nothing else satisfies. Everything else is good. I'm not, I'm not saying other things aren't good. But suddenly, the things of this world lose their attraction. And the only thing that matters is being with Jesus. I love in the same story in Matthew, I jump over there because he adds this that John doesn't add, but I like the way John words everything else in the, in the story, so I went there first. Matthew adds this, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told to her as a memorial. <laughs> Listen, I know where the gospel is going to be preached in the world. It's going to be preached everywhere. It's going to be preached everywhere because my Bible says that the end doesn't come until this gospel of the kingdom is preached where? Everywhere. 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 It's going to be preached everywhere. And so Jesus says everywhere that this gospel is preached, this story, the one we just read about Mary and the year's worth of wages of oil that she poured out on her feet as this extravagant devotion, this story will be told about her every place the gospel's told, every place the gospel's read. I remember being in downtown Troy and sharing the gospel with some people down there. I don't remember telling that story. <laughs> but somehow, Jesus gets the information out. Somehow, Jesus gets the story across. Somehow, they're going to hear it because it's going to be heard, because Jesus' word proves true. 2 Samuel chapter 24, I want to look at David and his extreme devotion. And so, 2 Samuel chapter 24, in case you don't know the story, before I read scripture, I want to catch you up on the story. David, um, at the end of his life, um, is moved by the Spirit to take a census of the people of Israel because God was mad at the people of Israel because they had turned away again. And so David numbers the mighty men. He numbers all the people. And God tells him that he shouldn't have done it. And then he sends the angel to destroy, and the angels going through destroying, killing people, and about 70 to 90,000 Israelites die. And then Gad, who's the prophet, 
comes to David and says, And Gad came to David and said, Go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David, so David, according to the word of God, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. There's a few things here that I want to take note of as we're reading this. The prophet goes to David and says, go up and create an altar. What's an altar for? An altar is for sacrifice. And so we've got to remember that. An altar is for sacrifice. It's always for sacrifice. And wh where was he to do it? On the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. Who are the Jebusites? The Jebusites were the people who lived in the city of Jerusalem before it became Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem before it became Jerusalem was actually known as Jebus. And the people of Jebus told David that the, the lame and the and the cripple would the cripple and the lame the lame and the blind would keep him out of the city of Jebus. Jebus was a, a mighty fortified city, mighty fortified walled city. And the key to the key to Jebus's impenetrability is the fact that they had a spring that bubbled up from inside the mountain. The Gihon Spring bubbled up from inside the mountain so that while people, enemies, came and tried to defeat them and surrounded their city, they didn't have to go outside of the walls to get water. I stood there in Israel at the Gihon Spring, at the mouth of that thing, and I'm telling you, it's like a four-inch pipe of water that bubbles up out of the ground. There's a large volume of water that flows out of this thing, and it's a stream, and it flows. They didn't have to go out of the city because of the water that was underneath. And so they had this water source in the midst of any enemy attacking. The Jebusites... When David came and conquered the city, some of them stayed. Aruna the Jebusite was one of those people. The threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite would become the place, the exact location where the temple of God, the temple of Solomon, would be built. That's the spot. Just for context just so that you know what's going on. On the Temple Mount, there is this spot. It's called, there's a little canopy over it. There's this little pergola over it. And it's this completely smooth rock. And that's where they believed that the, the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite was. That's the spot where they believed that the Ark of the Covenant sat for years and years and years under the rule of Solomon and under the rule of the kings that followed him until it was put into hiding before the Babylonians came and captured the temple. And so this, the Ark of the Covenant sat there on this rock just a few yards away, maybe 100 yards away, to the south end of the Temple Mount stands the Dome of the Rock. You're familiar with this. It's the big golden dome that you see on the Temple Mount right now. It is a Muslim high holy place and it covers a rock that's more jagged in appearance. And it is here on this rock where the Muslims believe that, um, that God offered Ishmael. We know that God offered, Abraham offered Isaac, not Ishmael. And so here's this jagged rock where they've built their high holy place. But just a few yards away where there's nothing, because the Temple Mount is actually under Muslim control, there is this little pergola over this little simple piece of plain rock. And this is the spot of the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. Here's the angel. 
I painted that picture for you so that we can go back to the story. Here is the angel of the Lord. He's going through and he's causing destruction. He's killing thousands and tens of thousands of people, 70 to 90,000 people. And he comes to the Temple Mount and he gets to this place and he sees that rock and he's reminded of the sacrifice of Abraham. How many hundreds of years earlier? And the angel, it says the angel of the Lord stopped because he remembered doesn't say because he remembered. I'm insinuating because it's because he remembered. And so da the Lord says to David, go and build an altar on the threshing floor of Arun of the Jebusite and, and have an offering. Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming. So Aruna went out and he bowed before the king. He's a Jebusite. He's not an Israeli, but he bows before the king with his face to the ground. Then Aruna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you. Did Gad say to buy the threshing floor? No, he said to go and build an altar. David takes it one step further. I'm going to go build an altar. I'm going to buy the whole place. I'm going to buy the whole stinking lot. You want me to go over there and do something? I'm going to just buy the whole place. If I've got to do something, I'm just buying everything. To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague might be withdrawn from the people. Now Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are some oxen for the burnt sacrifice and the threshing implements and the yokes of oxen for the wood. All of these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to, and Aruna, and Aruna said to the king, may the Lord God accept your sacrifice. Here comes David. He says, I'm buying the whole place. And Aruna's like, no, you're going to take whatever you want. I'm just going to give it to you because... Man, you know, I'm seeing this plague and I don't want it to come near me. If God's going to accept your sacrifice and stop the plague, by all means, take it. Take it all and, and may, the Lord, may the Lord accept your sacrifice. And then David says this. Then the king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it for, from you for a price. Nor will I offer to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. I will not make an offering to the Lord. That doesn't cost me anything. I will not make a sacrifice to the Lord. It's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost me anything. It's not a sacrifice if it didn't cost me something. He says, I will not offer up to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I won't do it. God won't look friendly upon that. I know the heart of God, and that's not the heart of God. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. That's not what, that's not what worship is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's praise even when I don't feel like praising. It's getting here early even when I've been up late the night before. It's coming in early, staying late. It's coming in to clean the church even when there's nobody here, even when there's nobody watching, even when there's nobody seeing. And it's me doing my best at every single thing that I do in my life as an offering to God, and it's a sacrifice, and if it costs you something, then great. It's supposed to. You know what the devil's not upset with? He's not upset with complacent worship. He's not upset with people who show up late and don't really, you know, uh, I, maybe I will raise my, maybe I won't raise my hands today. I'm not, I, just, whatever. I've just got this whatever attitude. Whatever, whatever. No. Let it cost you something. But what if people say something bad about me? They're gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the news before it happens. They're gonna. 
You look ridiculous up there. Praise the Lord. I'll become even more undignified than this. I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I won't do it. God doesn't look friendly upon that kind of a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice if it's not costing me something. We talk about a, a sacrifice. We talk about an offering. We talk about worship. And we come and we sing a song or we stand in the midst of somebody else singing songs and we think we had worship. Worship always involves sacrifice. One of the problems of the world that we live in is worship without sacrifice. We have to bring our worship to a point where it's costing us something. I'll just worship at home today. I'll just turn on the... I love the fact that we have online church. I'm not downing online church. But God wants you to be in the house. There's something that happens when you're here in the building. There's something that happens when you come here and you rub elbows with the person next to you that you don't like, and then all of a sudden you got to get along better. God took us as people, and he made us all different. Some of us loud, some of us quiet, some of us happy, some of us sad. And he stuck us all in a room, and he shook us all up, and he says, get together. And we're like, we don't want to. <laughs> He's like, that's the point. Love. I'll love you from a distance. No. <laughs> we got to get up close and personal. We're meant to be rubbing one another. Iron sharpens irons. Iron sharpens iron. When... You know how you get stones and they're nice and smooth and round? Do you know the, how that happened? That happened because the, the glacial ice melt came down and it took all of these stones that were jagged and angular and sharp and it put them all in this mixing bowl and then there's this ungodly heavy piece of ice that sat on top of it and it rolled down on top of it and the rocks are all bumping into one another and squishing into one another and the sharp edges keep getting rolled off until... We have nice round stones, like the ones we see out here in the landscape. They're created by lots of bumping into one another to make them round. That's how they got that way. You're supposed to be round and smooth, not jagged and sharp. <laughs> That's a good word. Wow. That's a good word. I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. I will not offer that which costs me nothing. Acts 21, beginning in verse 10, it says, As we stayed many days, talking about Paul, and so who, Paul's traveling companion says, As we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. That when we had heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered and said, What do you mean by, my, by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, 
the will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. And so I want to talk to you today. We're talking today just about this extreme devotion, this extravagant devotion to Jesus. And there's times and moments in, in, in the Lord where we come and it's fantastic. There's moments in the Lord when we have someone get healed and we give testimony in it and we cheer for God. But there's moments of time and it's the times in between where we have this, this period of time where we just need to pour out our extreme devotion. We need to come to a place where we come to this one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and we grab a hold of him and we lay a hold of him and we will not accept not having him in our life. sat with a man uh, this week or last and we got to talking about the secret place. The secret place. And so we find Jesus in the secret place. And everything in our life that we walk out with him is a production of having it, it is produced by having found him there. It's only when we find him there in the secret place that we have anything to give when we come and we walk out of there and we walk upon the earth. Jesus modeled this for us time and time again. It said, Jesus went, the, the scripture says, Jesus went up on the mountain and he stayed all night in prayer, as was his regular custom. As was his regular custom. And the Lord wakes us up for an hour or two at night, and we're like, oh my gosh, I didn't get any sleep last night. <laughs> Jesus stayed all night in prayer as a regular custom. And the Lord wakes us up for an hour or two, and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired today. That's fine. Let's just keep going. Don't, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give in. Don't stop. Keep seeking him. Keep finding him. Keep pressing in. Because when you find him in this secret place, when you find him there, you'll find that you have something to give out to everybody that you meet. And it's what the world is longing for. It's what the world is dying for. It's Jesus. We get him in the secret place. That's where we find him. And we walk out of there and we change the world. Not because of anything that we are or anything that we've done or anything about us. Even us having been in the secret place isn't anything about us doing anything. It's only us getting more of him. <laughs> it's like Mary who came out of that situation with the smell of the perfume on her. And so she polluted the, the world around her with the fragrance of the perfume because of what she had done for Jesus. Who'd she do it for? It wasn't for her. It was for him. But she walked out of there smelling just like he did. And so when we go into the secret place and we get a hold of Jesus, we come out of there smelling like him, looking like him, doing what he did. Luke 14, 27 and 28. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. And so we're to count the cost of what it costs us to follow Jesus. Amy, Amy Carmichael said this. Amy Carmichael served as a missionary to uh, India for 55 years, never took a break. And she said this. She said, count the cost. 
for the Bible tells us to do so. But take your pencil and your paper and go and sit at the foot of the cross and add up the numbers there. What's it going to cost you? What did it cost him? It cost him everything. And so when we count the cost, and we should, when we count the cost, we need to compare it to the cost that was paid for us. Jesus bought you with a price. You've been bought with a price. Paul says, I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I've been bought with a price. I am no longer my own. I don't even want to be my own. I want to live this new life in Christ. And it comes with a price. It comes with a sacrifice. It comes with extreme, extraordinary, extravagant devotion. And that's the price that I'm willing to pay. That's the price that I signed up to pay because I want more of him in my life. The, my, current, my current reality of the kingdom of God is not enough. I must have more. I love the fact that we've seen 42 healings over the past few years, but I want more. I want a place, I want a place, I want a room where people walk in and they can't walk out with sickness. That's what I want. I want heaven on earth. I want a place where people come in and they're immediately delivered of every evil thing. I want a place where the kingdom of God is on display in such a way that is so undeniable. And I want to see people's lives changed. I don't care if only, I don't care if nobody else comes. I mean, that's not going to happen. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. We've been going about... <laughs> We've been going about Holy Spirit Encounter Night all wrong, right? We've been, we've been telling you, bring your sick friend. Don't tell anybody. Jesus said, don't tell anybody. And his, his, his thing blew up, so don't tell him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's what I want. I want the kingdom of God. I want it all. My Bible says that those who believe, these, shines, these signs shall follow those who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak in new tongues. All of these things are ours in Jesus' name. They're all ours. And I want it all. I, don't want, I, want, I want everything that the Lord has for me. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that I could have had a little bit more had I just. I'm going to go give the just, and then I'm going to walk in all that God has for me because it's supernatural, and it's fantastic, and I'm pushing through for the more. I'm so happy. Number of number of weeks ago, we had a, a, a Sunday here. It was maybe about as good as this Sunday. It was super good. It was really good. Pump, so happy leaving. And I got in the car and I cried because I said, God, there's so much more that you wanted to do in that room. It's not that I was dissatisfied. It's not that I was unsatisfied with what happened. I was dissatisfied with that fact that God couldn't do more because he always wants to do more. Until it's all done, he wants to do more. Until it's all done. Luke 18, 28 through 30. Peter says, See, we have left all to follow you. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one here who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time. And in the age to come, eternal life. I love the scriptures. When we have an extreme, extraordinary devotion for God, Peter, they're talking about sacrifices that Peter, that sacrifices that people make. This is this uh, this account in Luke 18 actually follows the story of the rich young ruler, 
right? And what did Jesus say to the rich young ruler? Go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. What the rich young ruler didn't know was that if he had left all to follow Jesus, that he would have had received many more times in this present time. Because that's what the word says. That's what the word says. We're not even talking about the glorious reward of heaven. That's fantastic. That's enough. That's enough for me to give up everything. The glorious reward of heaven is enough for me to, to sacrifice everything, to give away everything. But Jesus says that as we give it away, he's going to give us more, many more times in this age and the eternal life to come. We get both. We get both. Both. You don't have to choose. It's not an either or situation. You get both and. This is our God. This is our God. This is who he is. He's a God of more than enough. It starts with us. It starts with what we're willing to bring to the table. See, Jesus already brought his part. Jesus came to the cross 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross. He brought us the first part. And now it's our turn to give our part. We give our life. We give our devotion. We give our extreme devotion. We give our extraordinary devotion. And as we give this extreme, extraordinary, over-the-top devotion to Jesus, he rewards us. Because it's who he is. You cannot outgive God. You can't do it. Not in finances. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you can't outgive God in devotion. As you give God your best, he gives his best back to you. He empowers you with every single thing that you need in every single area of your life. And he gives you your heart's desires. See, we think we know what we want. We think we want the house and the car and the boat and the plane and the trains and the da, 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 da. But all of those things leave us empty at the end of the day. What God really knows that you want is to be able to help your neighbor. And it's going to look different for everybody. But it's connection. What do we really want? One of, one of the main things that's in the heart of man is that we have this desire to be known. But nobody knows us. We have this desire in our heart to be known. That someone would know us intimately. And that only happens through relationship. God knows you. Psalm 139. He knows everything about you. He thinks, he thinks about you a million times a minute. More than a million times a minute. We did the math. 35,000 grains of sand in one cubic foot. A beach about this size. It'd be enough grains of sand. You think about me more than the sands in the sea. It says the, the amount of sand that it would take to fill a room this size would be more than a million grains of sand per second for your entire life. Just this room. And we haven't even talked about the Sahara Desert that stretched from the left side to the right side of Africa. It's more than a million times a second. He thinks about you all the time. He knows you. Before a word is on your lips, he knows it all together. Psalm 139. If you don't think that God knows you, go memorize Psalm 139. He knows you. We want to be known. And we want to be effective. We want to touch people around us. Stuff gets in the way. And so we need to take our eyes off the stuff. And we need to fix our eyes on him. Because he places our eyes back on the thing that's important. 
Where did Jesus want to be? He had six days left to live. Where did he want to be? He wanted to be in Bethany with his friends. He wanted to be in Bethany. He didn't want to just be with his disciples because there was a lot of times, uh, you guys know it as well as I do, is where the disciples just missed it. They just didn't get Jesus. What is he talking about now? But somehow Lazarus and Martha and Mary. Why did Mary come out with that oil? Because she heard him and she understood him. She knew that he was dying. She knew that he was going. And she came out with that oil for my burial, Jesus said. She heard him. She knew him. Where did Jesus want to be in his last six days? People that got him. Or people that knew him. We're going to get ready to take communion. So I know that we normally read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You guys probably know it by heart. For I received from the Lord that which I also pass on to you, that on the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord took the bread, broke it, gave it to his disciples. Today I want to just do this. I want to look at our level of devotion. And so as we take the bread and as we take the cup, as we take the body of Christ and as we take the blood of Christ today, I want to examine ourselves as 1 Corinthians 11 does tell us to do. But the thing I want to examine in our life is our devotion. I want us to ask, where is my devotion level? What does it look like? And am I okay with that? Or do I want to go to the next level? And do I want to bring a new level of devotion to this Christian walk that I have? And what might that look like? take it together. As we take the blood, we receive forgiveness of sins. And so every time we've decided not to have devotion to God because of the fear of man, we take the cup and we say, we take the blood and we say, Jesus' blood washes away my sin of bowing down to the fear of man. And it'll never happen again. Sins are forgiven and grace comes to obey. Sins are forgiven, and grace comes to obey. Sins are forgiven, and grace comes to obey. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time.
God is good. I hope that this message encouraged you. I want to just encourage you this morning that you cannot have too much devotion for God. You cannot give God too much. Your sacrifice to him, he sees it every single time. Your devotion to him, he sees it every single time. And he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. So when you set your face to seek him, he will reward you in the most extraordinary ways. Be excited for what God is going to do in your life. I'm excited about what God's going to do here on Wednesday night. So I hope you can all make it. Holy Spirit Encounter Night. Um, I don't advertise like Jesus did and say, don't tell anybody. I advertise differently and say, if you know sick people, bring them. And we want to see them healed. Elizabeth, come on up and receive the offering this morning. Thank you guys so much. All right. There are multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. Uh, there's a card in the seat backs that goes through the different ways that you can give. So if you're not sure or you're new here, grab one of those and that will help you out. Okay. Um, there's also a slide on the screens, it says. So I'm looking this way and I can't see that. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, you can find out um, how to give here. And I think, you know, just in, in thinking about what the pastor said, you know, part of our devotion is obeying the word of God and tithing is in the word of God. Giving offering is in the word of God. Um, and, you know, part of it is being consistent, right? And when you're devoted to something, you're devoted all the time. It's really hard once you're devoted to something to be in and out of it because your heart just won't let you. Tithing is the same way. Once you begin to tithe to the house of God, you are going to find that it's, um, it opens up avenues of opportunity for you to know how much what you do blesses others. So you might not see where the, you know, the pennies and the dollars and, and things like that go to, but when you're part of a body and you see what the body does through your giving, it blesses your soul. It blesses your spirit. Um, it allows us to have lights. It allows us to have heat. It allows us to have cool. It allows us to open our doors on nights like Holy Spirit Encounter Night. It allows us to open those doors so that the community and our friends can come in and we have a means to bless them. We wouldn't want to invite people if it were dark in here the entire time, right? Or if it were cold in here the entire time or if it were too hot in here the entire time. But it gives us a comfortable environment and that's what our giving does. It helps make others comfortable so that they can hear the word of the Lord. It helps us bless missions. It helps us feed people. Things that go so unseen. But please know that they are seen by those who need it in their lives. And it can change them. So as you give today, think about it. You know, Lord, whatever I give, whatever I put in that basket, help it to change a life in your name. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that... Lord, you want to change lives. That's your business, Lord God. That's what you came to do, change lives. And Father, bless this offering. Bless these tithes. Multiply it for your good and your glory, Lord, that we could see the harvest come in in your name. Amen. Please be mindful that there is prayer under the screens. Come for healing. Come, you know, and just pour your heart out or come and say one word. But we're, our prayer team is, is ready to pray for you, and we want to see God do magnificent things. We will see you next week on Easter Sunday. We will see you.